we're so much more than our breasts or our behind or you know whatever it is that we're worried about or self-conscious about you are more than that we are spiritual beings beyond just the physical there's a lot of internal work that i went through personally and that may look different for each person welcome to the longevity blueprint podcast i'm your host dr stephanie gray My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Sarah Philippi, who is a breast implant illness expert. I've been quickly learning about this over the past years as I've had handfuls of patients get their implants removed and their health improve. Today, you're going to hear why breast implants are a huge source of toxicity, how they contribute to immune dysregulation and infections, and how they can be a trigger for autoimmunity to develop. Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Sarah Philippi. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. It is my pleasure. Happy to talk about this really important topic. So Sarah has a passion for restoring health that has taken her along a path from an RN to becoming a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, true cellular detox practitioner, and a breast implant illness expert. She believes the solution to reversing breast implant illness is more than just the explant and that we all need to take personal responsibility for restoring our health by addressing all of the root causes that contribute to chronic illness. It's Sarah's belief that the body has an innate desire to heal if given what it needs, and she focuses on teaching women how to unlock that innate intelligence and heal themselves. Can't wait to get into your story. So I'm just, we'll just cut to the chase. Tell us how you got into this field and and share your story with us. Sure. So how I got into this field really comes from a place of pain to purpose. And, Mm. you know, this is something that I personally went through myself. And, um, you know, having what I felt like was perfect health um, prior to getting my breast implants placed. And then subsequently after getting them placed, you know, my health just continuing to deteriorate um, more and more and more as time passed on. And really looking and searching for the answers and not knowing you know, um, where to look, who to trust, um, what to do, because there was really no information out there at the time. It's one of those things that you kind of have to just trust your intuition because there really Mm. isn't a lot of research out there. Um, And it's a really big problem these days because, you know, millions of women have breast implants. And there's, you know, I think it was over, the last statistic I saw, I think was um, around 300,000 women in the U.S. alone each year get breast implants placed for whatever reason. So this has a potential to be a very, very big problem. Scary. I know I've worked with many clients who we have worked to restore their gut health. We've repleted nutritional deficiencies. We've tried to detox the body outside of having the implants removed. We've tried to optimize hormones and some patients just weren't getting better. And so I've learned through my patients who have done the research because they did trust that intuition that something was wrong. And so I had my first patient a few years ago uh, get her breast implants removed, which is called an explant surgery, correct? Mm -hmm. And she felt better. And I thought, okay, I need to be thinking about this with my other patients who we are hitting a plateau. They're not getting better. I, we really need to be assessing and I need to be asking and, and knowing, you know, how old the implants are and when they were placed, if their health has deteriorated since. I need to be asking these questions as a practitioner. So let's get into what breast implant illness really is and what symptoms patients can, can have. 
Yeah. So from my perspective, it's really not a matter of if they'll affect you, but when, because Mm. they are a significant source of stress on the body, regardless of whether somebody has symptoms currently or not. Um, So breast implant illness is really just a generalized term that we give to a process by which, you know, vague and chronic symptoms develop following breast augmentation with either silicone or saline breast implants. And it can really happen at any point. So either within days of augmentation or even more than a decade later. And it can be characterized by symptoms like chronic fatigue and um, cognitive dysfunction. So things like brain fog, difficulty concentrating, poor word retrieval, memory loss, muscle aches and pains, joint pain, hair loss, weight gain, weight loss, temperature intolerance, low libido, uh, ringing in the ears, heart palpitations, shortness of breath. There's so many. The list goes on and on and on. I could continue, but you got the point. The point is, is that these things are so vague and it's really hard to connect the dots when you have all of these things going on that cross so many different boundaries of what types of diagnoses someone might receive. And typically blood work doesn't look too bad. So it's not something that is really obvious when you go in there. There's some big, you know, blaring problem. Sure, sure. As is many times autoimmune disease. Until the autoimmune diseases are significant, many times labs aren't registering that something has gone awry in the body. So I will say what I've seen with many of my patients is brain fog. They just feel like something is not right. They're not as mentally clear and they can't figure out why. So why are breast implants problematic? What's the problem with them? Yeah, you know, I I would say brain fog is, I would agree with you, that is one of the biggest symptoms that I see. Um, And that was something that I struggled with as well. It was one of my worst symptoms, actually. And I remember just, you know, mid-sentence forgetting a word that was Mm. an everyday word that you probably use a hundred times a day, and it just would not come to my brain. And so that can be really challenging for a lot of people because they don't know what's going on. Why mm-hmm. is this happening, you know? Um, but breast implants, from my perspective, are a stressor on a couple of different levels. So they're a physical stressor as a foreign object. And, you know, they end up stimulating the immune system and eventually tiring the immune system. So that, that continuous activation eventually results in immune dysregulation. And, um, and that can lead to a more muted immune system. And that will eventually allow pathogens to thrive and um, overgrowths and opportunistic infections like SIBO and um, fungal overgrowth and viruses and parasites. And so those things are kind of, you know, in, in that kind of setting are allowed to grow unchecked by the immune system, um, as well as reactivation of, you know, dormant pathogens that maybe you were exposed to at one point and have become dormant and are now reactivated. Um, because they can. (laughs) So things like Epstein-Barr, maybe pathogens that cause chronic Lyme disease. Um, So, you know, I very often will see different types of pathogenic overgrowths on like a stool analysis. So I'll see things like Citrobacter and Klebsiella and Prevotella and Proteus. And I often also see depressed immune system. So low secretory IgA, which is Mm -hmm. immunoglobulin in the gut. And that's your first line of defense against pathogens that are entering the body. And so when that's low, you're very vulnerable. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of studies about this as far as breast implants contributing to this picture, but when I look under the hood, we often see the damage and we see the changes that are going on with the immune system. So the labs are telling us that the immune system can't fight anymore. And with a depressed immune system, that leads to infections. Mm. 
Um, and then secondly, breast implants are also a chemical stressor because they are full of cytotoxic and neurotoxic and carcinogenic chemicals and heavy metals. And those are highly inflammatory to our cells, our tissues, our organs. And so silicone, you know, the new newest version of silicone, the cohesive gel, those are made up of 40 plus different toxic chemicals and heavy metals. Can you say some examples, give some examples of those to the listener? You speak very well, but uh, to to dumb this down, (laughs) to put it in layman's terms. So what are some examples of heavy metals that are in implants? So, yeah, you have things like um, aluminum and tin and lead and platinum. And one thing that I found really interesting um, in my own journey was that I developed an allergic reaction to my ring, my wedding ring, which was um, platinum. Wow. I always wondered what was going on. Like, why am I reacting to this? Because I've been able to wear it just fine up until that point. And as soon as I got my breast implants out, I stopped reacting to it. And then you have other chemicals like um, methyl ethyl ketone and cyclohexone and acetone and phenol. Those are all neurotoxins. Is that regardless? Is that only with this new type of implant or is that regardless of if the implant is saline or silicone? Or or maybe we can get into the differences if one is possibly better than the other also. Yeah, yeah. yeah they each pose different risks, I would say. Um, so this is specific for the cohesive gel silicone implants, which have become very popular since they were released in, I believe it was 2006. Are those the gummy bear implants or what are those? Yeah. Okay, that's what I've heard. Okay. So they were assumed safe because they're very sticky. And when they rupture, they don't spread in the same way that saline does. And you, tep- you, you wouldn't know that you have a rupture either because it stays in place because it's sticky and cohesive. It doesn't really move. And then you have saline implants, which do also have a silicone shell. So um, silicone is actually called an adjuvant in the development of different types of connective tissue autoimmune diseases. Um, So that means that it is a trigger. So regardless of whether you have silicone or saline breast implants, you are still exposed to silicone. And then beyond that, you know, most people assume that the saline breast implants are safe or at least safer. And the problem with saline is that they have a one, what's supposed to be a one-way valve that's used to fill the implants after they're placed with saline solution. However, that, that valve can either become defective over time um, just through aging or maybe an injury to that area, or it can be defective upon implantation. So what happens is that fluid from the body can get inside that implant. And so what happens is that when that's allowed to happen, the, there's different microbes that can get inside. So you can have fungus, different types of mold, bacteria, things like that. So it really becomes a petri dish for microbes to grow and thrive and create a problem. So that, and from that perspective, we're dealing with biotoxin illness with these, with these people, these women. And that can make someone so, so, so sick. Um, I've worked with lots and lots of clients who have that exact issue. And it develops and it's like, you really can't escape it. You know, think about living in a moldy home. The solution is get out of the home, right? Right. And and deal with the things that need to be dealt with. But when it's living inside of you, you can't escape it unless you have those implants removed. So it's a huge source of biotoxicity. Um, So we're dealing with different types of toxicity associated with the different types of implants. 
Sure. So really, in summary, you're saying the breast implants can suppress the immune system, can lower that secretory IgA, they can make you more susceptible. So that can be very scary. Of course, it sounds like they can increase our risk for many infections and biotoxin illnesses, but I know they can also impact our hormones. So talk about that relationship. So how can implants impact our sex hormones? Yeah, so, you know, stress comes in all kinds of different forms. And breast implants are considered a stressor, in my opinion at least, on the body. Um, just based on what I've described already, the, the chemical stressor and the physical stressor on the body. Sure. And so when you have a chronic source of stress, you have your body mounts a stress response. And so your brain perceives something as a potential threat. The body releases, you know, certain fight or flight hormones and neurotransmitters like epinephrine and norepinephrine and cortisol, which trigger the fight or flight response. So once the threat has been eliminated, the body should return to a state of normal function or balance. And so this response is really designed to help us cope with short-term stress, like running away from a bear. That's always the example we give, right? But long-term stress, on the other hand, is continual activation of that process, of that system. And so that can lead to um, to, to disease in the body. And so, it, it, you know, when your body is focused on survival, it is not focused on, you know, replication or uh, reproduction. It's not focused on reproduction. And so your hormones are designed to make you fertile and help you reproduce. And so when you're focused on dealing with that chronic stressor, your body is going to downregulate hormone production so that it can go ahead and address that stressor. That makes total sense. So stressors come in all shapes and forms. It could be gluten that you're eating. It could be psychological stress from a you know, bad relationship. Or not. Could be the stressor of a breast implant um, that your body is essentially um, mounting an immune response to and rejecting. Very scary. Yeah. So, so you've said that the implants can rob us of hormones. They can essentially reduce our secretory IgA, making us more susceptible to infections. That would even include the current COVID, right? Um, right. Essentially, they can lead to being a Petri dish <laughs> um, for all sorts of illnesses. So they don't sound like a good thing to me. I, I like what you said. It's not if, but when <laughs> they're going to cause problems. So I have to ask the question. I mean, do you, do you know many people with breast implants who have had no problems or are most people you're talking to having problems? <laughs> yeah, you know, what I find is really interesting is that most people can think of problems that they're dealing with um, if they really sit down and pay attention to what symptoms they're experiencing on a regular basis. And so most people think of a lot of the symptoms they have like fatigue or difficulty sleeping or um, menstrual issues, things like that as just normal. Um, even digestive issues, like some people really consider those to be normal. Everybody has these issues or it's a part of aging, right? We hear that all the time. And really, that's not the case. You know, if your body is functioning the way that it should, optimally, symptoms don't happen. And so symptoms are typically the last thing to occur when the body is breaking down. So when you start to develop symptoms, you know that dysfunction has been going on quite a while. So, you know, from what I see um, yes, I do see some people who are functioning just fine, um, able to get through their day and do all the things that they need to do and want to do with no issue. But those people I tend to notice do have some things that they're dealing with. It's just not significant enough yet for them to consider it to be a problem. 
So some of my patients then ask, well, how can I try to avoid uh, maybe some predicted problems with implants? Like, can I get them replaced more frequently so that I don't grow mold, whatnot? I don't know the answer to this question. How would you, how would you respond to that? First of all, I think that it is really important to reconsider this decision if you have any history of autoimmunity yourself or in your family because when you're doing things or incorporating things in your life that dirty your genes let's say then you're going to develop the diseases of your genetic weakness and typically we see that happen with breast implant illness as autoimmunity so that's something to really pay attention to if anyone has autoimmunity or a family history of that i don't suggest implants <laughs> don't put a foreign object in your body yeah yeah don't, yeah, don't yeah. put a foreign object yeah. in there and <laughs> trigger that that process sure um and secondly you know if this is just something where you just you know you you're saying to yourself i'm never going to remove my implants i'm always going to have this i don't care you know what the price might be this is something that i need for myself in order to feel good about myself or whatever the reason may be. Maybe it's because um, someone has had a mastectomy sure. and feels like that is a connection to you know their womanhood and don't want to be without that. And so I completely understand those situations. Um, I would just say, you know, probably the safer option would be saline. I even hesitate to say that. You're right. Um, you do have the exposure to silicone. Um, and I would say you probably need to get them replaced really, really regularly, like every five years. Sure. Um, and that's a really, that's expensive to plan for, you know? Sure. I mean, each each surgery is going to cost anywhere from seven to $10,000 for a removal and a replacement. Sure. And so you're going to have to factor that in. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick, as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code ENERGY when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Now, what if a patient has implants removed? I've had a couple patients tell me this, and they say the implants were removed, they were intact and replaced, so that increases their confidence that nothing was going awry. And does there, there have to be something visible on that implant? And maybe this is a better question for a surgeon, but <laughs> does there have to be something visible on that implant to say, yes, this implant was compromising the immune system? I would probably say no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So what we're discovering um, as you know, surgeons are performing more and more explants and they're studying the fluid that's surrounded the implant in between the implant and the capsule um, is that they're discovering you know, 10 plus different types of bacteria that are growing in between the capsule and the implant. So that in and of itself is a problem um, for the immune system. And that's yeah. not visible upon removal, right? It could look visible. Sure. Yeah, your implants can be intact. Silicone or saline can be intact and still be problematic because from day one at body temperature, the cohesive gel implants bleed into the body and you're you're putting them in a place where there's so much lymphatic tissue right in that area so much dense lymphatic tissue and so that that allows for those contaminants to travel throughout the body by way of the lymph very easily so we know that there have been studies showing that gel bleed it does happen at body temperature and you know there were so many different studies um, that were supposed to happen that never did. Um, so we don't really know with certainty how bad these are, you know? Um, so it's, it's just, it's really, really risky. Sure. So there is hope. It sounds like you have recovered. So let's, let's talk through the recovery process. So if a woman is considering having her implants removed, can you speak to a proper explant procedure and where she might go about finding an, a surgeon who is appropriately trained to do that? Yes. So there is a really specific way that breast implants should be removed. And so that process is called en bloc, which means that the implant and the capsule are removed together as one unit. So the other way that that implants are removed sometimes, well, a lot of the time, I would say, <laughs> are by cutting the capsule open and removing the implant and leaving the capsule in. That's what most surgeons will do. And so you really wanna be sure to find someone who does this properly with on block and complete capsulectomy, especially if on block is not possible. Every speck of that capsule needs to be removed because the capsule also contains a lot of different toxins within its matrix and potentially even harbors bacteria. Um, so that poses um, another additional risk that's still in your body and it makes it really challenging to heal. Um, and so I talked with a lot of women who didn't know this going into it, just wanted their implants out as quickly as possible, went to back to their surgeon that put them in and they were removed by cutting the capsule open, removing the implant and leaving the capsule behind and they're still sick. And even doing all of the work that we do after explant, it's still a very challenging process and um, if not impossible. So it's our one of healing is removing the source, right? Removing mm -hmm. the source of toxicity, removing the source of infection or stressors or whatever it may be. Um, so that, that procedure is a very highly skilled technique. And so not every surgeon is comfortable doing it um, nor should every surgeon be doing it without, without a lot of training and, and, and practice. Um, so I would definitely look for someone who has done at least 100 explants minimum. 
um, because oftentimes they need to cauterize or scrape um, capsule off the ribs. And in between mm -hmm. those ribs is very delicate intercostal tissue that is super close to your lungs. And if it's something happens, then there's always a risk of puncturing the lung. Choosing someone who's very, very skilled um, microsurgeon kind of skill, <laughs> who's done a lot of these proper excellent procedures is really, really important. Wonderful. So where might a listener find a surgeon trained with this technique? Do you have resources or yes, <laughs> recommendations yes. for that? I always recommend going on to breastimplantillness.com. Um, there is a recommended list of surgeons um, listed by um, country and state. So there's lots of recommendations there. And they'll also list if, if the information is available, whether or not the surgeon performs on block and capsulectomy, how much it might cost, whether or not they do a lift, will do a lift for you and what that cost might look like. So you kind of get a feel for um, who is available near you, sure. what, what they're able to offer you and what the cost might be. Um, but I always recommend, you know, interviewing more than one surgeon to really get a feel for who you connect with, who you feel comfortable with um, before making that decision. And they, they do list, you know, the top, I think, five or six excellent surgeons um, nationwide. I'm kind of at the top of that page. So, um, you know, I, I always feel like it's worth traveling for if for something this important, um, choosing the absolute best surgeon for you. I would agree. So you, you alluded to the work that has to be done after the source mm -hmm. of the, the, the toxin is removed, right? The implant is removed. So what should women be doing or focusing on post-explant in order to heal? I assume this is kind of what you help women with. So let's get yeah. into that. Yeah. So the things that I think need to be focused on are um, toxicity. So not only detoxing the body, but removing other sources of toxicity that are that are you're chronically being exposed to. So that may look like really doing an overhaul on your personal care products and your cleaning products and the kinds of things that you purchase in the future, like furniture and carpeting and paint and um, all those different things that also off gas into your home for who knows how long, months to years, really. And then um, detoxing the body properly is a really important step. And this is something that a lot of people are talking about um, but what's really important to know is that not all detoxes are safe, not all detoxes are effective, um, and what's right for you may not be what was right for someone else. So um, you definitely want to work with a skilled detox you know, trained practitioner on that process because true detoxification at the cellular level um, does require a lot of knowledge and to do it safely. Um, and so what I find is that women are, and so that ends up posing the problem of auto intoxication, where hmm. you're just really end up driving those toxins deeper into the tissues and into the brain. Um, so that's really important to make sure that you're really working with someone who knows detoxification well. <laughs> and then addressing infections is another important part of this. And so these things kind of go hand in hand, you know, the infections are there. Um, a lot of the time because the body is very toxic and the immune system is downregulated. Um, so working on, you know, supporting and restoring immune function um, while also going after pathogens if that's needed. Many women that I talk to are dealing with, um, you know, fungal overgrowth and mm -hmm. parasites and SIBO. And that's really, really common. And that's just because of the level of toxicity that you're exposed to. 
And so bringing the gut back into balance and really down, bringing down these infections and restoring immune function so that it can do its job better um, is really important. And so, you know, it's not enough just to go out, go on a, a parasite cleanse or a candida cleanse, you know, this bug killing spree, um, because the reason they're there also needs to be addressed. Otherwise, you'll end up with the same problem again. Sure. Um, and then dealing with any kind of traumas. So mental, emotional, physical, yeah. all of those things can impact your body's function and your ability to heal. So people may feel like they're doing all the right things. You know, they're clean up, cleaned up their diet, they're detoxing the right way, they're exercising, they're removing all the different sources, sources of toxicity in their life. Um, maybe they're meditating, maybe they're praying, maybe they're spending time working on their mindset. But if past traumas are still um, unresolved, um, that's a source of emotional toxicity and that will keep you sick. So those are all very important. Good, good points. What about feelings of self-worth um, and just body image in general, which may have led to getting the implants in the first place? Can you speak a little bit to that and, and healing or improving that? <laughs> yeah, so I can definitely speak to it because I it's something that I struggled with myself. And, you know, my desire for breast implants came about from an experience when I was a child, when I was a young girl. And someone very important to me said, you know, you're going to be four foot 11, just like me, but don't worry because you'll have the Johnson boobs. <laughs> and so that experience in my life, I remember it as if it were yesterday. And that's mm -hmm. how big of an impression it had on me when I was young um, and really kind of developing ideas about the world and myself and who I was. So that, that gave me the impression that breasts were impress, important and not just breasts, but large breasts are important. Um, and they are what define you as a woman. And so when I didn't develop those Johnson boobs, quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned. I was worried that I wasn't enough. I felt mm. like I needed to have that to be beautiful, to be desired, to, you know, be good enough. And so that eventually led to me making that decision for myself. It was really all about my body image and my lack of self-love for who I was, how I was created. Um, and so that is something that I really have had to work through and just realizing that, you know, we are so much more than our, our breasts or our behind or, you know, whatever it is that we're, you know, worried about or um, self-conscious about. You are more than that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we are spiritual beings beyond just the physical i mean so so it's, it, there's a lot of internal work um that i went through personally and that may look different for each person but it really just comes back to, back around to loving and accepting yourself for how you were designed because everyone you were designed perfectly you know um and everyone is beautiful in their own way and and so I think that there's just a mindset shift that needs to happen. Um, and it's really hard when we're chronically exposed to all these different um, images on social media, of mm -hmm. what women are supposed to look like, right? That we're bombarded by that every single day. Um, so going inward and really like just spending some time discovering who you are, not, not what you look like, but who you are as a person and finding your value and your worth in that. That is beautiful. And I wish we had time to 
really get into that even more deeply today. <laughs> but that, yeah. that, that takes a long time for many patients. That's some deep, deep work that, like you said, many times is rooted in childhood. So that's not my specialty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or yours. <laughs> but I think that that's part of uh, a team that I think patients need to have to, to help them on their journey. Absolutely. And it's a process. It doesn't Absolutely. Come, like with the click of it or the snap of a finger. <laughs> I love that. So thank you for sharing your story today. Tell us where viewers can find you, um, where you are on social media, speaking of. <laughs> Share that with our audience. So my website is reversingbreastimplantillness.com. And um, I can be found on Instagram, same handle, reversingbreastimplantillness.com. And I have a Facebook page as well and um, a private Facebook group for women looking for um, more support, um, answers to questions they have, and just sharing their story. Wonderful. And you have a free gift for our listeners. What I is do. that? <laughs> so I have a neurotoxic quiz, and this is a quiz that I use um, throughout my work with my clients, you know, from, from the get-go right away. And then each, you know, month as we progress through our work together, we kind of use it to reassess progress. So this really looks at your level of neurotoxicity based on, you know, how you score your symptoms. Cool. Wonderful. We'll post the link to that in the show notes for the listeners. So Sarah, this was very interesting. <laughs> and I'm sure many listeners, I hope, will be sharing this with other loved ones, friends and family members who need to hear this message. Because although you and I are familiar with this, I think many individuals are not. They have not, it hasn't even crossed their mind that the implants could be contributing to their chronic symptoms. So my hope is that listeners will be sharing this with those in need. And I, I thank you for spreading your message about breast implant illness. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Chapter five of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, is all about the importance of detoxing the body. And you know what I didn't include much on that now I wish I did? Breast implant illness. To be honest, at the time I wrote the book, I didn't know much about it nor what to do for it. But now I have that knowledge. And thanks to this interview, you do too. So please, again, share this with others in need as this just could be a never considered missing link to their recovery and building true health. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, not only is the course 50% off, but you also get your first consult with me for free. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.